Welcome to the Swedish Innovation Podcast, where we export Swedish unicorns. No buzzwords, just real life stories with Sweden's most innovative thinkers and doers. A podcast made by me, Sandra Bourbon. And me, Sara Hermansson. I'm sure that you heard that in order to be an innovative organization, you should not have the silos. But what if you have them and you want to get rid of them? How can you do this? A person that knows this is Anne Arneby. She is a board professional and CEO. Five years ago, she took over as the CEO of the digital agency Nordic Morning Group and the mission was clear to sell part of the company. In order to do that, she needed to lead a complete reorganization of the company. She actually also removed the whole management team for a period of time. Today, they have a modern, innovative organization. How she did this and if she reached the goal of selling part of the company, you will figure out in this episode. Let's talk to Annie. Welcome to the Swedish Innovation Podcast, Ann. Oh, and the first thing is in English, my first name probably sounds strange because it's Anne, but in English it probably will be Annie. Or, Annie. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you pronounce the E, uh, and that is uh, a bit difficult when, when you speak English, of course. Okay, welcome Annie to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't sound too great either, but uh, let's go for that. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So before we start uh, to talk about how you have led a completely organization of uh, for the last five years, let's uh, get to know you better with our fi- five quick questions. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Great. How do you like to spend a Saturday morning if you can choose whatever? Well, I actually prefer to uh, do some kind of training on Saturday mornings. I've been doing that for so many years, so I, I doubt that I would do something else, even though I would be uh, able to choose whatever, like you put it. Uh, so I would probably go to the gym for some really serious spinning. That sounds exhausting, but a good start for the day. Yeah, I think it might be exhausting, but you know, I have these uh, couple of instructors that I've gotten to know over the last, I would say, 10 years, uh, maybe even 15. And they are um, ex-professional bikers that that used to actually compete. And when they do these um, sessions with us, they talk all the time. So it feels like you are more or less spinning in the mountains in Spain or France or Italy. And uh, that is so exciting because because they can make you do things you don't even think you're possible of. Amazing. Number two, fill in the blank. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a blank. Writer. Writer. Mm. Cool. And that actually, the third question here, what is the last book that you have read? Oh, uh, the last book. Let me see, because I'm I'm reading constantly, quite a lot, and um, I usually read two books at the time. One is more like a, uh, a little bit lighter, uh, and then I usually try to do something when it comes to science or, or economics or, or something like that. So um, let's see. What did I? I think I actually. <laughs> this might sound a little bit weird, but but I think it was one of these uh, easygoing thriller books. Could be from Kepler, actually, uh, the latest one. The Mirror Man, I think the translation would be if you, you take it straight off the, the Swedish uh, uh, headline. Okay. Number Didn't sound f- too intellectual, though. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's it's really good. I can really relate to this. I need to have one like what do you say like one book for personal development that I read, but I cannot read that all the time. I need to have something lighter as well to balance it up uh, together with somehow. I think this is pretty interesting because several years ago I I read an article um, where they interviewed a really famous um, uh, actress. And uh, she's known for pretty heavy roles. And she actually said this, you know, when I'm not working, I really love to see an action movie, you know, where I can really, really easy find out who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, and the plot is super easy to follow. 
And I think that is a thing that when you work a lot with your brain, like I do uh, in my work, you also need to relax the brain, which means that then, of course, a, a thriller is something that you, you quite easily also understand. It's like, a, you know, an action movie, but in a book format. I completely agree. Number four, if it would be possible to time travel, to what year would you like to travel? Oh, I, I don't really know about the year as such, but I really would like to go back where we are in the first and second industrial revolution. Also to maybe see the similarities between the really big shifts that the society went through during that time and the shifts that we are seeing right now. Because we, we I think we don't really understand how much happened uh, in the first and the second industrial revolution that still is impacting us. I think that would help us to understand the present times in a better way and maybe prepare for the future. I, I will come with you. It sounds super interesting. Oh, great. Let's yeah. go. We're right yeah. after this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm ordering tickets right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fifth question, last one for the uh, quick five. Uh, what trend when it comes to innovation do you follow right now? I think, I don't know if it's a trend, but but uh, I'm very much following now HR tech, because I think that the technology development that we've seen so far has been very much around uh, technology as such, how to becoming more efficient, how to try to get rid of certain kind of, of tasks that we start to at least understand that the machines would probably do better for us. But now we also need to, to focus quite a lot on how to develop ourselves being human beings and make sure that we start to create the best combination between people and technology for the future. So that is the part that really interests me. And, and uh, you know my background. So, of course, uh, I always would like to see how to develop people and combine it with the best technology. So that is where my focus is right now. Great. So let's uh, start to dig a little bit deeper. You, you're the uh, for the last five years, you have been the CEO uh, of Nordic Morning Group. Uh, for the people that doesn't know Nordic Morning Group, uh, what what do you do? Why do you exist? This is Finland's second oldest company, founded already in 1859. So more or less, you know, in the first industrial revolution, moving into the second one. And the first thing that this company did was printing stamps. And uh, in, in, during that time, uh, most of the cities started to develop. And also people moved from the countryside into the cities to start to work in the factories because we received power. First it was steam and then it was electricity and we were able to start to mass produce lots of things that people hadn't been able to buy before. And of course, when you move from the countryside into the cities, you leave your family behind. And of course, you would like to keep in contact with them. And at that time, you sent letters. So that's why the stamps are super important. So you could say that this was the internet of those times. And I think this is important, again, going back to when you asked me about the year where I wanted to time travel to, because here you can actually see the similarities that, that today, not maybe so much in the Nordic countries, but if you go, go to uh, the emerging markets, for instance, you have a little bit of the same people moving into the cities, but then they use the mobile phone in order to connect with their family, but also to send money and, and different things that uh, they want to send back home. So the, the company is founded in 1859, owned by the Finnish state. And of course, then you need to start to wonder how come uh, the Finnish state still owns this. But it has been uh, within their ownership the whole time, but still having to survive through bringing revenue from clients. And when I took on the assignment in, in 2017, this was a holding company consisting of 12 smaller companies and the, the group was not doing that great. So in order to find uh, a new home for, for this kind of group, you actually need to innovate and develop the group in order to make it relevant uh, for the present time and for the future and 
that is what I've been doing. So if I tell you what the company is doing now, it, <laughs> it's not stamps anymore, of course. So you have three different uh, divisions, you could say. And one is about data-driven marketing and service design. How to actually bring in and drive growth by using uh, the latest technology within MarTech and data, of course, data and analytics. And then the second one is uh, it used to be a publishing house. But of course, today you need to divide it between being really great at developing content and also using a, a certain kind of pedagogy in order to do that. So you understand how people actually learn. And then, of course, edtech which contains then uh, artificial intelligence, also uh, data on how different persons learn, and then you can get a personalized tool. And the third one used to be the printing division. But today, you don't usually uh, just do print uh, of everything that you would like to communicate. That is yesterday's way of doing things. So you need to look at the processes, how you connect, how the company connects with the end client, end consumer, so to speak. So here we have a lot of bigger clients like banks and insurance companies. And what we help them with is to analyze their processes, how to communicate in the best way possible with their end customer and how the end customer would like to have the communication. So then, of course, you might get a few things in print, but you could also get a text message or something that is completely automated. So. Uh, a long, long answer to your question, but I think that is also a, a good way to understand, you know, how we have, have done this transformation. So three divisions today with uh, a little bit of separate things. But I think that the thing that combines them into a group is our why, which is we believe in making the world a better experience. And that is, of course, the customer experience, having the focus on that. When you started this uh, complete transformation, you said you were 12 entities in the beginning and uh, now you're three. Uh, why why did you need it to go to three? Um, well, uh, the first thing we did was to, to actually start to look into how the clients wanted to buy our services and if we were meeting their needs in the best way possible. So uh, we had no clue that we were going to be three divisions at that time. So we actually started with uh, talking to the clients. We picked out around 50 of our clients and started to have a very close iterative dialogue with them. What were their biggest pain points? You know, the things that you don't get a, a good night's sleep over. And that was, of course, data. And, and then continued the discussion you know, to find out, you know, are we really serving them in the best way possible? But then we actually did uh, another thing. We did a cultural due diligence with all our employees. And we did this, um, the client uh, discussions and also the, the culture DD over a period of, of three to four months. So this was really an in-depth uh, I wouldn't call it survey because we, we did so many different kinds of, of methods. But in order to, to find the insights, how should we develop this group? And out of that insight, both from the employees and then the clients, we were able to actually start to develop the strategy and the strategic direction going forward. And here we could see extremely well that our employees, when they had answered the question, if you could actually reorganize this group, how would you actually combine the different companies? And the answer was super clear. They, they actually divided the company into three divisions. And why is that interesting? Because the employees, they meet the clients every day. So um, that, that was uh, more or less the input to... Um, to the management team and uh, the reason why we also decided th this is probably quite good to start to see if, if this is the way forward and it was like if we back up how did all how it all started it was like in 2017 right you were on the board 
I was uh, on the board actually from 2015 yeah. to 2016, and and during that time we we started really to understand that uh, we were not serving the clients in the right way possible. You could see that just from a very simple financial analysis, that uh, several clients wanted to buy services from more than one company, but we were not organized uh, to help that. So I would say the the clients were were quite good in, in pushing us to be able to buy services. And we made it quite difficult for ourselves. So during, during 2000, uh, the fall 2016, when I still was on the board, but it was uh, official that I was going to be the new CEO, we used that time to do these uh, analysis with the clients and the employees so we could get a flying start more or less when, when I was uh, the CEO in, in January. What kind of data you said like that was the common denominator, uh, the customers, uh, the biggest pain point, mm. they want the data. What kind of data? Uh, and that was the thing. They, yeah. they said, you know, we know that we should be more interested in data. We don't know which data. And this stresses us out totally. Uh, so where do we begin? Do we have to start a super big project around data in, in, and start to gather everything before we even start to move? And I think this challenge still exists. Uh, so for us, it was uh, a way of starting. And of course, you, you, we are focusing then on, on the areas where our divisions have the, the services. But we started to help them to do pilots, uh, also to narrow down the challenge. So you, you don't get so frustrated that the task seems so big, so it's overwhelming, and you start to be paralyzed instead of curious and interested. Uh, so uh, that was the thing starting to, to get the bits and pieces in place and starting them to to start to move. Yeah, I heard, uh, I listened to a podcast last week and uh, they talked about Martech, like marketing technology yep. uh, for companies. And they said like for a normal size, like small to medium sized company, you have around, what was it? Like 90 different like softwares you need to use. Yeah. And that's mm. like crazy how to mm. navigate in this if, if you're not... That's not maybe your core competence. Uh, so that's where you come in and I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the, the thing here is uh, in the beginning of, of our uh, little chat here, I said to you that I, I think it's extremely important to understand how to combine people and technology. And that is what we see quite a lot of. Uh, the management teams today, they try to solve the problem by buying the right technology. And in this case, then Martech, like you said. And instead of starting to actually figure out where to start your own journey of change, they start to buy technology and then they don't have anyone who understands how to use it. And that is usually where we come in, where they already sit with, with a, a lot of different kind of softwares. And, and they are super frustrated because they have invested quite a lot of money. And somewhere there's a board of directors starting to wonder how come that we don't get any return on this investment? Yeah. But, but I would suggest, you know, that you, you start instead with your customer journey and, and start to see where, how, how is your customer interacting with you? And then it's much easier to start to understand where should we start? Because you usually have a certain part of the customer journey where you have low-hanging fruits. It's always good to start with low-hanging fruits. And the reason I say this is because you have to be on a learning journey. Yeah. You, you, when we talked before, before in this recording, you mentioned, I think that was super interesting, that for a period of time in this transformation, you had no management uh, group. Uh, like, how did that work? Can you tell us? Uh, <laughs> you had told the start already. You interviewed his 50 customers yep. and you did this cultural due diligence. What happens after that? I could say that the result from the cultural due diligence was quite obvious. We, we received um, quite a lot of criticism on the leadership as such. Not, not on, on specific persons, but that no vision that was one thing that came out. No vision for the group as such. No vision for any of the, the companies, the 12 companies. And quite um, 
I wouldn't say bad leadership, but in a sense that people couldn't really understand why do we exist, like you said, you, you formulated it like that before. And I think that is a, a very important part when you go to work. Everyone is talking about, you know, what kind of purpose you have, but, but you, it's not, it doesn't have to be that super deep. But, but if you have, like we had, 12 different small companies and they are founded by somebody in the beginning and this group had acquired the companies. So number one, why does the group want to acquire this smaller company? What is the future journey for the company? Things like that. So everything just uh, turned into as is. You know, after the acquisition, they were just, you know, being kept there with the same founder, maybe the same managing director, the same CFO, the same information system. How no. many years had that like been? I feel like from the first you bought a lot of companies. It's yeah. like, okay, this company we bought for 20 years ago or... No, we didn't have that many that were that old. Uh, we, but we actually had a, a clear difference with the companies that have been coming in since 2004 up until 2016. And they were very much into digital and data. And then we had a few left that were from uh, uh, the time before that. Little bit of, of more uh, the old ways of working. But going back to your question about uh, taking away the group management team, because that is your question. When, when we went through all of this, and we also saw that the culture due diligence, uh, there all the employees said that the DNA of the company is learning and change. So we love working here. We love getting the challenge to, to actually learn something new and drive change every day. And then you combine that with the answers, no vision and weak leadership. For me, being the new CEO, that was a really good result because then I could see that if we bring in strategic direction, where to go, why, then you could actually release all that energy and all that power that this DNA around change and learning actually has within it already. And therefore, I decided that the old structures had to go. Because the old structures were 12 managing directors, me as the new CEO, and then people in the support functions like, you know, HR director, communication director, and so forth. So I said, uh, we don't have a, a group management team anymore. We're going to have a strategy team consisting of 15 people. And of course, you don't have to be Einstein to start to add up, you know, 12 managing directors and then some of the group functions and then me, that's 15. And um, we are responsible now for, for working uh, very close together. We need to create a strategic direction. We need to take full responsibility for the full group but then we also need to be operational responsible for all the decisions that we need to make now. And I said that the period of time needs to be at least six months. What did people say? What was the reactions? I think, you know, people don't say things directly to me since I'm sort of <laughs> the CEO. But, but of course, they were a bit surprised by this. But on the other hand... The thing was that everyone was invited to get really involved into this process. And what I said, you will learn so much during this time. And the only thing I can promise you is that we won't have this many managing director titles where we've done. That's the only thing. So if you feel that this is what you really like in your future, to have this managing director title, then it, this might not be the right place for you. Yeah, because that I think that's one of our basic needs, the power, uh, like maybe they really wanted their title. Was it people that quit? or No, no. no. But if you think about it, you, they actually received even more power by me doing it in, in this other way. Mm. Because before you might have had the power for your small company, but here they could actually impact the full group on the strategic level. So then you worked in this group together mm -hmm. yep. uh, for how long? 
and what we did you worked do? in this group uh, up until I think it was end of uh, August, where we um, no, sorry, end end of um, uh, July, where we put the, the new organization in place. But we were very fast in identifying that we needed to go from twelve small companies into three divisions. But that had, so, you had already did some propo- um, work, right, with that, with the um, mapping of the 50 customers and the cultural exactly. due diligence, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So so when we started to work with that and, and went through all the results from, from these two really huge analysis, uh, it was a no-brainer. Uh, because if, if you wanted to say, no, I, I would prefer to have my small company, we had nothing in the results that actually uh, went in that direction. So it was very easy to do this change. That's so interesting. Then you really had a common view. It was not somebody's feelings. You had the data to support it, where yep. you're going. Um, and but, also from my yeah. point of view, I also said to everyone that if you feel that the managing director title is extremely important for you, it's no judgment on my side, because this is something that you need to consider. It's your life, your working career. If you prefer that, I'm fine with that, because it's also important to understand that the, the inner driving force of people is different. And the, the most important part is that you know what's important for you. And Did, then, do, do people know that? Or was no, it usually when you, not. Yeah. Usually mm. not. But, but, you know, it's not that often that you have actually your boss telling you this. You know, I won't judge you because the, we have so much tough work ahead of us. So if you are not aligned with your own inner voice, your own driving force, we will be in trouble. So I want people also to, to understand that you need to understand yourself before you can actually be a really great uh, person to work with, either as a leader or a colleague or trying to create value. Yeah. Because otherwise it, you will be starting to fight your own willingness to do certain things and then you can contribute to the company. Yeah. Did you help help the employees to discover this side of themselves? Somehow? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I did. And then we need to jump uh, <laughs> into the beginning of 2018 because we focused quite a lot on how to get the strategic direction in place, uh, the first structure of the three divisions. And then, of course, we came back to the client. So this is an iterative process. So trying to find out how to also... Uh, massage the offerings into place because usually when you are an old company with a lot of legacy you tend to describe your offerings like you did about 10 years ago or five years ago and when you start to look under the hood so to speak what are we really doing with our clients we were actually doing a lot of much more modern things than we said when we were selling our services. I I, I know that you have uh, written a, pl- a post on LinkedIn where you say yeah. something like, um, you need to think over how you formulate yourself so you can double your price. Exactly. Uh, something like that, right? Yes, yes. Can you, can you mm. develop more? <laughs> Everybody wants to, uh, to double their price, I think. Yeah, so. of course, the price tag on the company. Uh, but this is how you create value. The problem is that, that we... We don't bring in the perception uh, of our brains into the mix when we start to do innovation. The thing is not that we always have this great product or or technology innovation that shows itself uh, just in front of our eyes and you start to understand what it's doing. Because sometimes you need to look at yourself. What are we doing as people in the combination with the new technology? Again, going back to what I said. And how would we formulate this offering, what we really are doing? And that we did together with our clients. That's how we could actually see that the part that used to be the old printing division, that everyone said, this is the dying part of the company. That was actually what the owner said, and also the management team for that division. We are in a dying market. And, and if you think about that, then you start to act in a certain way also, being the management team. You, you are, you know, defensive all the time. But I told them that, yes, there are parts of your market that is dying. That is a natural thing. 
But then when something is dying, something else is being born. So we need to find the new stuff. And when we, together with the clients then, went through, it was obvious that the end result, printed stuff, was only a part of what we delivered. So the big value creation was actually done in analyzing the processes. So the, everything around processes that had to do with the communication with the end customer. And when we changed the focus, we started to earn a lot of money. And that division is actually growing like hell. So what's, what's the like purpose, how's the vision, how, how do you formulate what they do now? Uh, if it was yeah, like it, print stuff, it was before. <laughs> what's, what's it now to double it, price? Yeah, exactly. It, in very short, you could say we help you eliminate inefficiencies by automating your processes. And, and that is actually true because uh, some of our clients have earned about 2 million euros per year by working with us. Yeah, that's great. I think it's always mm. like a, a tricky, slippery slope. It should be, should be clear, uh, not too fussy, but it still cannot be too clear. <laughs> Do you understand? Like, well, should no, not exactly. just be a sales pitch to just sound mm. icky. You need to really believe in it, I think. Yeah, and I think th this is the tricky part because you need to believe in it, but your clients need to believe in it. And, and in the beginning, when you're changing your own perception, a lot of people say, I don't understand what this means. Exactly. And of, co of course, then, then again, you need to be able to work with this over a period of time. So it's not about getting you know, the one sentence in place. That is not the thing. You could have the, the direction described, but then you also need to look into how are we going to change our ways of working. Yeah. So th this is like a domino effect. You, you need to start with the direction and then you take the next step and the next step and the next step. And it takes time. And, and I think this is the, the part where a lot of uh, companies go wrong. They, they think that they want to have immediate results. And these kind of change process, they take no less than three years, but more around five. Yeah. And most of the companies, they start to um, judge the new strategy and the change process already after just one and a half or two years. Yeah. So they kill more or less th their own possibility of a successful change too early. Yeah. Mm. We have had Katarina Nell from Sifo Kantar on the podcast as well. She yeah. worked with numbers to transform companies and she says the same. Mm. Minimum three years. Yeah. Uh, stop uh, trying to change things because then you cannot see uh, the change. And yeah, that's really, really interesting. Mm. Uh, you, you talk a lot about people and technology. Like, how can we bring it together? Um, what would you say is like the biggest mistake you have seen there uh, working together with other with clients? I would say that you actually think that you need to um, fire everyone that you have on the payroll and just hire new people. Uh, instead of looking into the combination, how you need to bridge from the legacy uh, present where you actually are into the future state where you want to go, the desired state. Because you can't really just change everyone because then you, you don't know where to start to build the bridge from. Yeah. So you, you can see, I'm doing waving things with my hands now. In a podcast, no one can see that, but hopefully I can explain. I, I can, we work, so. yeah. <laughs> waving going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think if you see this, see this as bridging a gap, you, you're standing uh, on one side and you see this huge kind of, of uh, valley down below and you need to get to the other side. Doing a change journey is actually building the bridge step by step as you walk over this huge gap. And of course, then you need to start to understand where you are and where you're going. And a lot of companies only focus on where you're going. So they think that they need to get rid of everything that we are doing right now and just focus on the new things. And then your revenue streams will stop. Yeah, and, and course, maybe you have built a small part of the bridge already. And yes, just, yeah. and you usually have. And this is the part of the perception. Because when we did our change um, 
uh, journey in the beginning, going in again and discussing with our clients when we have set out the strategic direction, it was quite obvious that a lot of things that we already did was the new offering. Yeah. Because we as people are extremely good at adapting and adjusting and listening to clients. Otherwise, the revenue would stop anyway. But we are not as quick to start to think about what are we actually doing so we can formulate it in a better way to attract new clients much yeah, but faster. There it's up to the leadership, to the management. So yes. like people, the salespeople, they know already what they're doing. And as you said, they were creative already. Mm. And then it's really like bottom, uh, uh, bottom yeah. up. Yeah. And I think this is the thing because I usually work bottom up. It takes uh, quite a lot of time in the beginning in every process. And of course, uh, could be tiring, tiring and, and also the, the processes are very heavy in the beginning. But on the other hand, you get a lot of great input from the people who actually work every day with the clients. The strategic direction gets anchored both internally and externally pretty immediately. And then it's much easier to get the help to adjust because, of course, you don't get everything right in the first try. You need to constantly improve them in, in order to make this fly in the long run yeah. and create sustainable change. Do you think, like, uh, as a leader, uh, to really keep this long term, it's always tricky. Maybe you don't know. You get fired as a CEO the next month. You never know. Uh, what... What did you get like in the beginning of this journey? Did you have a really clear, I don't know, like what do you think it's a good, um, mm, what do you need from a beginning to really be able to be this brave and, and yeah, think long term? Yeah, I understand what you mean. I think, and this is something that I, I talk a lot about when, when I'm mentoring and also trying to give the advice to people who reach out to me. The, the most important thing is to try to figure out what does the owner want. And if you remember, I said that you need to figure out your own inner driving forces. It's the same here. What do you really want? And in this case, it was, please, over if this is successful, we would like to find a new ownership for the full group or parts of the group. Mm. Mm. And if that is clear... Then, of course, you need to go back and, and so how much time do you think that you could give me? And how much resources? Uh, will you be able to invest during this time? In my case, it, that was a no. So, so we needed to actually earn the money to invest in further development uh, to create the value. And I think that is fine as long as we agree upon the things, how this oh. needs to be done. Yeah, the time period. How many years yeah. did you get? Did it say anything? Or... <laughs> yeah, as long three, as it three, takes some. No, no, no. Three to five years. That, three that to was, five years. Yeah. But I think also here, I also ask that the board should be very close to me. You know, be, taking a step forward because this change was, it's, you know, we've changed nearly everything. So, um, therefore, I think also the board of directors needed to be much more involved and of course I and the the management team that I have around me we need to be very transparent yeah because we and, need to make decisions yeah. you know step by step we, we never came with a full plan you know this is the desired state in 2021 or whatever so we, you just need to be able to to take step by step by step by, the iterative process yeah which I think is important to involve the board of directors into as well. So they feel confident and trust that we, we know what we're doing. And then, of course, we, we based everything on data. So this yes. is not my gut feeling or my wish that I, uh, you know, have a deep desire that this should be three divisions. It had nothing to do with me. I, I just go for the data and then I know this is what probably will be working the best for the next step. You're a board member yourself for yes. mm. big, big uh, organizations. Would you say that boards in general are used to working like this? You have no. the goal, but you don't know like how to get there. Mm. I guess it would scare them. <laughs> or what's your? <laughs> yes, uh, I would say that uh, th this is something that I understand is is um, 
a pretty big need in boards right now because I get a lot of questions from from other board members, also from CEOs, of course. You know, how could you get the permission to do what you have done? Um, and of course, um, I think that this is the, the next thing. You know, the, the boards need to be more aligned in, in this way of working or at least challenging their own ways of working going forward. And I think that is going to happen now, the upcoming years. Yeah, I mm. saw a study from McKinsey and Company and they said uh, it's crucial to uh, bring in somebody at the that is younger as well because maybe they have this way of working. Maybe it will not, of course, solve all your problems in the boards, but so you're not only... I think it comes down to diversity, of course, as well, uh, from all different ages and backgrounds and stuff like that. Mm. Do you think that will solve something? Um... I, I'm usually against, you know, when you try to define competence and knowledge uh, using gender, age, uh, where you come from. It, it's not about that. Uh, I think that uh, the thing is that you need to have diversity and, be, and also maybe challenge that you bring in people from other types of industries, other types of backgrounds, other types of competences, uh, and then the combination and also getting the board to work as a team, maybe much more, because the board usually don't meet that often as the, the management team does. And also start to have a little bit of the discussion what is the mix of the team members in the board? Uh, what are we going to accomplish as a team? And then, of course, it's much easier to, to understand how you then will contribute with your specific knowledge and competence as a board member, a team member. So I think that is the thing much more than age. Uh, because I, I see a lot of people who have a lot of experience, but you need to understand how to use that experience also. So it comes uh, across as being something useful. You talked about that you had no vision in in the beginning. There, How... I I had a vision, but yeah, you of course <laughs> of course you had the vision. But uh, the vision in the Nordic Morning Group, uh, people, if you ask them, they wouldn't uh, be able to tell it, right? The same. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and and they said that it was a lack on, of of vision on every level of the leadership. Yeah. That, that is important too. So, so usually you just led by using uh, the budget, the yeah. figures. Yeah. Uh, and usually people don't get super excited by an Excel <laughs> sheet. And, and if someone is listening now and has that secret sauce, how to get people, you know, go crazy about an Excel sheet, call <laughs> me <laughs> or send a mail. Uh, or we can invite them to the podcast yeah, and they can definitely. explain how did they manage to yes, do this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Because my... According to my experience, this is not, you know, the tool that you use to get people go crazy about what to do things. That is the result of a great vision. You feel that you, you're actually contributing to making a difference and all of that. Um, and I think that, that that was why we put a lot of effort into seeing, do we have a common why? Do we have a common how? And, and then the what for the three divisions would probably be different. Yeah. Um, so, because otherwise you are not uh, going to be a group. Then it's much better that you actually split the whole thing. But so uh, it was how very did you easy. Do it? Yeah, how did you do it? You, you said yeah. a little bit, but there, but then like we step need, by step. <laughs> then we need to go back again to 2017. So the first six months, um, when we looked into the, the stuff that we received from the clients and also the employees, then we need to look into, okay, all, all this that we have been doing, it had something in common. It had a red thread. And that was that the end customer is the most important one. And a lot of companies have forgotten that the value that the end customer really values has changed. So if you before received a book you actually would like to have a customer experience of a book or a learning material or whatever. So that was the big thing to getting the why in place. We believe in making the world a better experience. Because, of course, we all know how irritated we get if we don't feel that we get the proper customer experience. And then the second thing was our how. 
how do we actually do this? And this again was interesting because then we went back to the history and most of the employees told me, please don't talk about those old damn stamps because... It, it That's feels... what you started with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But now it's different. It's 2022. Yeah. Uh, and they said, you know, it, it feels like we are so old and dusty and, you know, it, it, please don't go there. But then I started to talk to them about, but we, we really need to zoom out now and, and see the context in a much broader perspective than we have done before. Because if you just look at stamps, of course, that sounds a, a bit boring, but you have to put it into the context. What is the stamp actually doing? Like I told you the story, that was the internet of 1859. Yeah, you had me hooked on the stamps. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah. I know. Thank you for that. (laughs) And then, of course, you could actually see that how this is then developing over time. You could see that this is the reason this company has been around since 1859. But of course, it has been a little bit more of a reactive journey, not really, you know, being in charge of your own development. So when we looked upon this, we could see that we we have actually been quite good in combining people and technology but more in a passive way. So how about if we did it the other way around? So our how is we challenge thinking and ways of working using people and technology. And that is how you still can be relevant in every era to come in the future. And when we actually nailed that, people went crazy. And they went crazy also over this story, connecting the stamp into today's artificial intelligence and and whatever have you, because then you see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. That's really, really good. Really good tip. I think there's a lot of people struggling out there with with the vision, and that's really great tip to hear how you did. Yeah, I think so too. And I I think also this purpose-driven organization thing has has become a little bit... um, (laughs) I think I read uh, just a, a couple of days ago uh, in uh, Dagens Industri, the, the Swedish financial paper, where, where they made fun of one of the biggest banks and, and their purpose, because it was so fluffy, uh, so much corporate bullshit. So you didn't even understand what the hell are they doing? No, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the wrong way of doing it. Yeah, I know. But that is also the thing when, when things come into fashion. You also think sometimes, and this is nothing new, that you can actually do this yourself. Maybe a couple of of persons in in the management team around the table. But this has to come from the company within. And it's also, um, I think you you asked me a question how I uh, made people start to to develop their inner driving force and and how they really found out that. That was the starting point in 2018 because then we started to develop our culture. And that has also been a bottom-up process. So the first big workshop was around, do you know what your own driving forces are? So so it was like a huge group therapy session, uh, you know, for the the whole... People were crying. (laughs) No, Uh, no, not really crying. But but what was interesting that, you know, everyone had to do this, me included. So, of course, here we brought in external help. Yeah. Uh, So we also get the, the really professional facilitation, digital tools to help us with this. Uh, but that was really the, the starting point, because when people then start to understand what they have inside them, like their inner driving forces, then we, you could also look at the, the culture due diligence again, the learning and the change. Yet maybe that's why I like working here or the opposite. That's why I don't like working here. Yeah. Mm. And then we started to, uh, and this process took nine months to develop uh, actually six guiding principles. That is, you know, how we, what kind of behaviors we would like to see in the company and more of this. And the interesting thing is that these guiding principles, they are really alive. So this is really developing itself right now because we measure it. 
uh, of course, in a deeper pulse survey, so we understand which areas we need to continue to work with, but also like p- pulse surveys uh, with a shorter uh, period of time. Yeah, mm. that's great. Uh, and what's your top tip to all leaders out there who are leading reorganization of any any kind? In the beginning, in the middle, uh, reorganization tip. If you could guess now, after talking to me for nearly 55 minutes, what would you say? I would say start with the vision, start with the people, uh, screw technology, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, create the common story. And yeah, I think it's like a lot of people. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Customers as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think involvement is probably you know have big ears. And, and involve people because you, I think that is the thing. You could actually see that uh, some of the really most famous professors in the world right now around strategy, they are starting to talk about this, that the problem with the strategy development is that it's only done in the management teams. So uh, Gary Hamlin, if you've heard about him, for instance, he has written a book, you know, that you really need to, to bring in all your employees. Uh, and that book is just a year old. So I was a little bit before Gary. Sorry about that, Gary. You should um, have written the book. <laughs> but I'm not a professor. I, I'm more of a doer. So, so I think that, again, you, you actually can find a lot of really interesting answers to begin your change journey if you involve your employees and your clients. Yeah. And I mean then involve for real, not doing this kind of anonymous surveys where people answer a lot of stuff, but really have this kind of dialogue. Uh, And of course, you will hear a lot of of terrible things that you need to fix, but you also will get the honesty that you really need in order to do a successful transformation. Yeah. I think that's a really good wrap-up of what we have talked about. And we also need to tell... You succeeded, right? You have yep. sold, uh, how, part of the company is sold now and congratulations to Thank all you. of you and the hard work you have been doing the whole organization for so many years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thank you so much for joining Swedish Innovation. It's been super interesting. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much. And you said Anne now, so no Annie anymore. <laughs> no, I think I stick to Anne. And if people want to find you, uh, they can find you on on a bee at uh, LinkedIn, right? Yes, um, yes, yeah. they can. And uh, we'll put the link there. It's a little uh, uh, difficult with the spelling. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, innovation makes the impossible possible, and it all starts with you.